Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So this, this past weekend, I did a new Arkansas thing. Um, haven't done this before. Um, been here now three years, a little, little more than that. And uh, we went to our first Travelers baseball game. It was, it was good. It was Friday night. It was our first game to go to. I don't really like baseball a whole lot, but if the weather's really nice and there's no sun in my face and I'm at the ballpark, I like baseball. Right? I'm a big fan of that. And so we were there at the game and um, first time to ever go. We went with a couple other uh, families here from the church and we had a lot of little kids with us. The game started Friday night at seven o'clock and we got there and um, they start announcing over the PA system that, hey, after the game, there's gonna be fireworks. And so, you know, our kids heard that and um, they, they wanna stay for the fireworks, right? And so the parents, we start looking at each other like, we doing this? You know, like, we staying all the way, like nine innings is a lot of innings and then fireworks and, and we're like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna do this. Like it's, it's Friday night, it's the first weekend of school being out. So we were committed, we told the kids like, all right, we're gonna stay. We're staying for fireworks tonight and by, whenever you tell a kid something, you're locked in, you're committed. All right, and so, um, so that's, that's what we did. Now, like I said, the game started at seven o'clock and the ninth inning starts around nine, nine thirty, something like that, and the game is tied, right? And uh, so we start looking at each other like, like, we really doing this? <laughs> we really staying, you know, I'll stay if you stay, kind of a, kind of a thing, and so we, we felt locked in. So it's, it's, in the, it's in the ninth inning, it's all tied up, and it goes into extra innings. Nobody, nobody scores, and so it goes into extra innings, and, um, and so then we, we really start looking at each other, like, are, are you sure? Like, we're, we're gonna stay for this, for this whole thing here, and, and so, but we, we were committed, we were all in to it. Um, now, one thing you need to know about me is, um, and my family, we have little kids, we don't get out at night a whole lot. Like, well, I've lived here three years, I don't think I've ever seen Conway past 10 p.m., right? It's, uh, it's not something that we do. And so 9.30, man, that, like, I didn't even know people still hung out at nighttime, really, anymore. And so as, as we were going, like, the, the 10th inning came, still tied. The 11th inning, um, still tied. They hit it like this ball going to the fence for a grand slam that was about 10 feet short of going over. The Travelers would have won but they caught it, and so then we're going to the 12th inning. In the 12th inning, like, we got kids falling asleep in the, in the bleachers at this point, you know, there's no amount of uh, funnel cakes and blueberry slush puppies will keep them awake for 12 innings of baseball. I got a picture here of Hudson Stark. Yeah, that's him, he, he's passed out. So in the 12th inning, man, that, like, they had a run opportunity. This guy was sliding into home plate. Travelers would've won, got tagged out. So we went to 13 innings. And, uh, and it did, at this point though, we're looking at each other like we're past the point of no return. We are in it, we're all in, we are committed to this game. We're not leaving, I don't care when it ends. And so the game finally ends in the 13th inning 
the travelers lost, but we cheered anyway, right? You know, the game was, was finally over and we got to see the fireworks. I got a picture of that too. So there they are, the fireworks in all their, all their glory. So we watched the fireworks. All of my kids were asleep before we got out of the parking lot, right? They were falling asleep in the truck. But when we do something, it's best to do it all the way, right? You don't leave a game in extra innings whenever you're gonna miss the fireworks, you stay. You stay, right? It's like if you're washing your car, you don't just wash it halfway. If you're cooking your food, you don't just cook it just a little bit. You don't, you don't give your family just like a quarter of your time or something like that, you, you go all in because half-hearted commitment is really no commitment at all. And what we're gonna talk about this morning is that through the word, whenever it comes to church, God calls us to be all in, right? All in. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter three. 2 Thessalonians chapter three. So if you've been with us, this is our last message in our Thessalonian series. And uh, Paul has been kind of walking through all kinds of things, but the context of the whole letter, I've told you every week, and you're probably tired of hearing it, but every week I've told you that, that Paul has taught them while he's in Thessalonica about the return of Jesus and people got confused about it. So some people thought that like their friends who had passed away were gonna miss the return of Jesus and they were confused and they were hurt over that. And Paul wrote to them, he, he, he addresses that in, earlier in his letter. We also know that he told them that Jesus was returning and so a lot of people just quit their jobs. Like they were like, if, if he's coming back, I'm not working next week, so they quit their jobs. And what happened is they became lazy, they became gossips, they became kind of a burden on the church. And so that's the context this morning, and that's kind of where we're going to zoom in, is on those people who have kind of become a burden on the church. They've become lazy and a burden. Before we get into it, I want us to pray one more time. And so um, I'm, I'm going to pray, and as I do, why don't you just pray for yourself that God would speak to you this morning. Let's pray. God, we just want to pause now and ask that through your word that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts and in our minds now. Holy Spirit, would you show us uh, Jesus? Would you show us things that need to be refined? And would you help us to have the boldness to follow through with that? We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 6. He says, Now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition received from us. Now that's a big statement that Paul just said. Keep away from brothers and sisters who are idle and, and don't follow the tradition that you receive from us. Verse seven, for you yourselves know how you should imitate us. We were not idle among you. We did not eat anyone's food free of charge. Instead, we labored and toiled working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It is not that we don't have the right to support, but we did, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They're not busy, but busybodies. Now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to, to work quietly and provide for themselves. But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. Verse 14, 
If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take note of that person. Don't associate with him so that he may be ashamed. Yet, don't consider him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. All right? So that's our passage this morning. There's some interesting stuff going on. First, I want to look at what's happening here in Thessalonica, the situation that's, that's happening there. Paul says in the first verse, to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle. So keep away, that's important. Brother and sister, that's important as well. And idle is important as well. There's a lot going on. Paul just commanded, all right? He didn't suggest, he commanded to disassociate with other Christians in the church who are idle. Who are idle, what does idle mean? It, it means to not work or it can mean being lazy. Actually in the, in the Greek, like it's used in other Greek literature and stuff, this same word that's used for, for idle here. And the way that it's used in other literature is it talks about a soldier who is not battle ready. So like they're in the camp and they have on the, they look right and stuff, but they're not ready to go to battle. That's, that's the idea whenever it comes to idle here. So remember the context, like, like we've been talking about, people misunderstood Paul's teaching on the return of Jesus, they're quitting their jobs, and as a result, they become a liability for the church, and they begin causing trouble because of their boredom. And, and verse 11 says, for we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They're not busy, but they're busybodies. So they're, they're, they're bored and they're gossiping and they're causing trouble in the church all because they're not working, all, all because they are bored. And Paul says, that's not the tradition that we pass down to you. That's what he's saying there in that middle section. Like we worked, whenever we were with you, we worked. We, we didn't take anything that didn't belong to us. We didn't take any food from you. We worked the whole time we were with you. That's the tradition that we tried to pass down to you. So he's teaching them that every church member should work hard and pull their own weight, right? And, and in fact, what he's saying is Paul's saying to stay away from Christians who aren't pulling their weight in the church. Like let that sink in, right? We don't talk about that, <laughs> do we? Like stay away from those who aren't pulling their weight. Understand this about the early church. The way that they interacted with one another is they shared resources. So like if somebody needed bread, somebody would say, I have some bread, take, take this. And so they're, they're sharing life, they're sharing resources with each other. Acts 2.42 shows us a picture of the first church. And it says this, it's a beautiful picture of what church should be. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day... The Lord added to their number those who are being saved. So that's a picture of the early church. Like they're sharing resources. They're sharing life with one another. So someone refusing to work, that's a big deal. Like they become a moocher, a liability. They become a drain on, on the church. And Paul says in verse 14, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take note of that person. Don't associate with him so that 
he may be ashamed. This passage parallels with Galatians chapter six where Paul also writes that and that passage is all about church discipline and, and the purpose of church discipline is always to restore that person back in. And so whenever he's saying don't associate with them, he, he's saying we're hoping that they'll be ashamed of what they're doing and be, be restored. Yet don't consider him as an enemy, verse 15 says, but warn him as a brother. It's important for us to see in this passage that Paul said they had an obligation to hold one another accountable. They had an obligation to one another to hold each other accountable, which is not always easy to do, is it? All right? And so that's the situation that's going on there in Thessalonica. Like they, they, they had this issue with people not wanting to work, becoming a drain or a liability on the church. And Paul says, you have an obligation to hold that person accountable. And if they're not willing, you disassociate with them. That's the situation there. What do we face today? Like do we, we don't see that so much here, right? Like we're not sharing our bread with one another and things like that. We're not quitting our jobs and becoming a liability on the church necessarily. So the situation that we face today and where I wanna spend a majority of our time this morning is this is a warning against casual church involvement. It's a warning. Like casual church involvement is a pandemic in our world today. People just casually involved. And I think people are casual for two reasons. First, I think there probably is some laziness, right? Like what was going on in Thessalonica, maybe COVID kind of disrupted your flow of life and, and you just never really got plugged back in. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's the opposite of laziness. And I think is probably our biggest problem in our society today is not that people are lazy, people are too busy, right? People are just too busy. We are so busy in every other sphere of life that we cut out church. We're busy with work or the lake or with kids events or just life in general. And the easiest thing to cut is church. And I realize that I'm saying this on Memorial Day weekend and you are here, right? It's like preaching to the choir a little bit. So this is really for those people listening on podcasts this morning. <laughs> Let me just say this, man, not, not to guilt or shame anyone, but we understand that what we do here is literally what we were created to do, right? Like we were created, we were commanded by our God to worship him and we were created to live in relationship with, with him and with his church. And that's what we do here. So the argument could be made pretty easily from the Bible, I would say, that our involvement with church, the things that we do together is the most important thing that we do. It's the most important thing that you do as Christians. Gathering with a local body of believers is not optional. It is central to what we are about. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. We are to be about gathering together, right? The church is a gift from God for us. It's a good thing for us. So the question then is what does all in church involvement look like? If, if Paul is warning against casual church involvement, what does it look like to be all in? Here's, here's, here are three things for you. The first is this, be in community. Be in community. There was, a, there was a Barna research study that was done recently that found that church dropout rates are at an all-time high. 
And, and so they're studying this, but they coined a term for those people who are staying faithful, who are bought in, who are, who are all in, and they, they called these people resilient disciples. These are people who have made a commitment to follow Jesus, they believe that Jesus was crucified, raised uh, from his death, they, they are involved in a church family, but more than just Sunday worship services, and they strongly affirm that the Bible is perfect and that it speaks to our life. These, that's these people. These are resilient disciples. And one of the primary factors that these people, these resilient disciples give for remaining faithful to their church is meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships. This means that they feel like they belong. They feel like people care about them and help them grow spiritually, right? From the beginning pages of the Bible, we know, we see that God created us for community, right? Genesis 2.18, God, God creates man and he says, it's not good that man is alone. And so he makes a helper for him. He makes a wife for him. That shows us that it's not good that we're alone. We're, we're meant to do life together. Acts 2.42, the, the passage I showed you just a second ago, it says they, devote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And that is usually translated as fellowship like it is like it is here in this passage, but it's talking about the deep relationships amongst Christians. It, it's more than just like potluck dinners, which is what Southern Baptists typically call fellowship, like we're gonna eat something together, which I'm not opposed to. I think that that's a, that's a good thing, but it, it's more than that, right? It means that we have communion with one another, that we live life together. And the best place that that happens in our church is what we call small groups. I talk about it a lot the importance of small groups. I wanna show you why I talk about it so much. It's because of this, we know that disconnected people rarely become all that God has for them. If you're disconnected, man, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna get it. If you're not connected to community, you will fall away. I promise you, I've seen, I've seen that more times than I can count. People who are just kind of casually involved, if they're not in deep community, deep relationships, it's not long before they just back away. In fact, when I see a family that only attends on Sundays but isn't really invested any deeper than that, I just know that it's, it's probably just a matter of time, right, before they kind of slip away because it's just so easy. It's easy to fade away into the distance if you don't have a group of people asking you where you've been, right? It's so easy just to fade off into the background. And so whenever we're talking about community, though, like it's not just about showing up. It's not just about sitting in a chair in your small group or something like that. It's about putting in the time and the work to develop what I call deep, thick community. It's just this thing that's just tangible. It's in the air. Like we are brothers and sisters. And, and what creates that is this, whenever you are committed to that group. You're committed to it, you're devoted to it, Acts 2.42 says. You are vulnerable in that group. You're sharing life and, and things that, that need to be shared. You're involved in what's going on. You're checking in with others. That's not just the leader's job, right? It's the whole group, like you're checking in with one another. Hey, you mentioned that thing last week that we were praying for, how's that going? How can I continue to pray for you? So it's, it's more than just showing up. It's more than just being in a group. It's being all in with that group because Paul's showing us that we have an obligation to one another here, right? We have an obligation. If someone is sinking, you need to say something. Even though that may be really difficult for you to do, in the United States Coast Guard, um, the rescue swimmers, those who, who 
jump out of helicopters and all kinds of stuff to jump in the ocean and save people. They're actually taught in their training that as they're saving somebody, more than likely that person might try and fight them because they're panicking and, and, and wrap their arms around them and, and take them underwater and things like that. They're taught in their training to actually punch that person in the nose or headbutt them in the nose. Any of you ever seen the, the Kevin Costner movie, uh, The Guardian? Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher, there's a scene where that happens. It punches him in the nose. You say, yeah, but you're about to drown your wife, right? So like that's, that's, that's the picture. Like it may result in a bloody broken nose, but it will save both of them. And so it's difficult. It can be difficult to, to hold somebody accountable and say, hey, I've noticed. Like I, I'm trying to help you here. But it's possible to bring somebody up. Like it's possible to bring somebody back up into a positive situation just as it's possible to get pulled down by a negative situation. I used to work in college ministry and um, if a college student came to me and, and, and they had been there, they'd been plugged in and, and never missed and all those kind of things, if they came to me and said, hey, I'm gonna rush whatever fraternity or I'm gonna rush whatever sorority, I'd just say, well, it's been nice knowing you, right? And they'd be like, oh no, not me, yeah, you. But what happens is they get in that other kind of community and they get pulled down into it. And so listen, it, it might be uncomfortable, but we have a responsibility to one another to help each other stay connected. So reach out. Like, hey, I've noticed that, that, that you've been out. Is there anything that I can do? Like, where have you been? Is everything okay? Or hey, are you in a small group? I'd love for you to come with me this week. Paul's saying that we actually have a responsibility or an obligation to do that for one another. All right. So the first thing, be in community. The second way to be all in is through giving. Through giving. We don't talk a ton about giving here. In fact, we've hardly talked about it at all <laughs> since we started nine months ago. But whenever we talk about giving as a church, we're never asking anything from you. We're always asking something for you. Because the Bible instructs us to give back to him the Bible instructs us that there will be blessing from that. In fact, Jesus even says that this is really a heart issue whenever it comes to your giving and your finances. It's really a heart issue. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if you wanna see what someone is into, man, just look at their bank account, right? Like just look at those check receipts and things, their credit card statement, you can immediately see the things that they care about, the things that they spend their time on, the things that they enjoy you can see where their heart is because what you care about, you invest in, right? What you care about, you invest in. The Bible talks a lot about giving. Um, in the Old Testament, he set up a principle called tithing. Tithing is simply this. It's simply us recognizing that God has abundantly blessed us, and so we're gonna give back to him the first fruit of that. In the Old Testament, it is traditionally 10%, although with all the other Jewish sacrifices and laws they had, it would have probably been closer to 23% for a Jew back in the day. And so I just wanna challenge it. Like if you're not giving, if you're not a part of that, I just wanna challenge you to start somewhere. Maybe it's 10% for you, maybe you can't do that right now, just start somewhere. You can give online or through our black boxes in the back, you can actually set up what's called recurring giving online, which is a really cool thing. Um, but just get involved, right? Be, be all in. How, do, how does giving equal all in involvement at church? When you give here at Second, you're literally a part of the ministry that is taking place throughout our church. 
You're meeting needs, you're ministering to the broken, you're planning churches, you're training pastors, you're sending missionaries, you're, you're ministering in disasters. I don't know if you saw the picture that Josh King posted this week from Uvalde, Texas. There's a mourning family there and there's a man standing next to her wearing a vest that says disaster relief of the Southern Baptist Convention. Whenever you give, you're a part of that. You have people right now in Ukraine, you have people right now in Uvalde, Texas, you're planning churches all across the world in America. So you're a part of that. You're all in. So now that we've talked, like, let me just share some good news with you, all right? Whenever we were gonna start this church, this campus, I sought a lot of advice from other people who have done this kind of thing before. And everything that we had heard, everything that we were told is that it would take three years for, it, for, for the church to be self-sufficient. That means that all of the things, all the resources necessary in order to function as a church, the renting of Herschel Hall, the staff, the, the crackers for the kids, like all the stuff, it would take three years for us to be self-sufficient where we weren't needing the main campus to support, right? In just nine months, we're already self-sufficient. Just nine months, which is amazing, right? It goes against everything that we were told, but what I, what I wanna say to that is, so hear me say, we don't necessarily need your money. I'm not asking for your money, I'm asking something for you, right? To be all in. Can you imagine if we were all, all in whenever it came to giving? We're gonna need pretty soon, we're gonna need to be thinking about buying some land or a building or something like that as a church. And so give towards that, like be, be all in, jump in and invest. So, so all in church involvement looks like being in community, it looks like giving, and then the third way is it's serving. Be serving. See, volunteering is really about serving, serving others, which we're called to do in scripture. First Peter 4.10, just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So I, I want you to see the, the wide-ranging effects of you serving and, and volunteering, what, what difference that can make. Serving in, in Kidman, like you're, you're passing down the traditions as Paul's talking about. You're, you're teaching kids, you're investing in them. If you're holding a door as people are coming in, you are the first person that they meet whenever they come in, if you are hosting a small group at your house, you are creating an environment for people to, to know and find Jesus. If you're playing an instrument on stage or running slides during service, like you're creating that atmosphere for us to worship our King. And so it's a, it's a massive impact. We need every single person. It takes all of us. And we have tons of ways for you to serve. What we talked about last week is just use your gifts and your passions to build the church. So that's what all in church involvement looks like. And Paul's teaching us here, again, this is Paul, not me, and I'm not trying to guilt or shame anyone, but casual church involvement is not okay. It's not okay. We have an obligation to one another to help each other in slipping away or becoming casual. Paul says, we command you by the name of the Lord Jesus to work quietly and provide and he tells those contributing, he says, we command you to keep away from those not pulling their weight. So, so this is a, a big deal. 
Casual church involvement, though widely accepted in our culture, is not what God ever intended. Our calling, we talked about it last week as Christians, our calling, all of us, is to love Jesus, live in community with others, and make disciples. So ask yourself, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you all in? I'm sure every single one of us, myself included, like we could, we could look at ourselves and go, you know what, I could take another step. I, I could be, I, I could take another step, whether it, it's even just becoming more vulnerable and being all, more committed to my small group and being all in. But every single one of us could probably take another step. I, I wanna show you on the front of your bulletin this morning, you may have noticed we have a QR code right there on the front of your bulletin. It just says all in. If you scan that with your phone, just point your camera app at that little QR code, it will take you to a link called the Next Steps page of our website. There you will find all kinds of forms, all kinds of things, whatever it is that you're thinking, I need to take that step in that area, that's the place to do it. That can be even just, hey, I need to be baptized, you can do that on that page, or I need to find a small group, or I need, I need information on giving or serving, you can find all that at that page. But I just wanna encourage you, take that step, right? So this passage is a warning for casual church involvement, and it's also, as we close, an encouragement for those doing good. An encouragement for those doing good. I've heard it said, you probably have too, that in most churches, a majority of the work is done by a minority of the people, right? And maybe you've felt that, but if you're all in, like you're, you're in community, you, you are a part of all of those different things, Paul says, verse 13, but as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Paul uses that phrase again, like I said in Galatians 6. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.